0: This is Conducting Business, WQXR's show about the classical music industry. I'm Naomi Lewin. A week that began with over 100 million people tuning in to see soprano Renee Fleming sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl will end with more classical music combined with athletic spectacle. The Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia are expected to include several classical performers during the opening and closing ceremonies all organized by the conductor Valery Gergiev, who has stirred up some controversy lately. Here to help us understand the cultural significance of the Sochi Games is Simon Morrison, a professor of music history at Princeton University who specializes in Russian music and dance. He's currently writing a book on the history of the Bolshoi Ballet. Simon Morrison, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Details have been sketchy about the opening and closing ceremonies, but we have heard that they will feature soprano Anna Trepko, violist Yuri Bashmet, pianist Denis Matsuyev, and a thousand-voice children's choir with Valery Gergiev at the center of it all. Why was Valery Gergiev chosen?
1: Uh, he is the most important conductor in Russia, and I think that he is really the most important uh, cultural representative of Russia. There is a minister of culture, Vladimir Bedinsky, who's a fairly reactionary type um, in disrepute. But in terms of um, a real hero in Russian musical culture, somebody who is resurrected, recorded an enormous swath of the repertoire, uh, he's unparalleled. And he's also very close
0: to Mr. Putin. They are said to be longtime friends. So what do we know about the actual extent of that friendship? Is this like a Governor Christie David Wildstein kind of thing or... The friendship from what I know and from the people I know who know who are close to Mr.
1: Putin and also uh, close to Mr. Gergiev is that Gergiev can basically pick up the phone and get a hold of the president of the Russian Federation. And I would say that, um, you know, there's a lot of rumor to do with the fact that Putin is the godfather of one of uh, Gergiev's children and so on and so forth. But it is clear that after Gergiev made a very public uh, statement supporting Putin's nationalist kind of nostalgic imperialist aspirations that the two of them were very, very close.
0: On this fall, Gergiev was the target of numerous protests outside of Russia because some people thought he didn't take a strong enough stand against the new anti-gay legislation in Russia, which bans, quote, propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations. Why did Gergiev in particular come in for those protests? Mostly because he's the leading
1: cultural export of Russia. He conducts worldwide, sometimes two or three engagements on a single night, and two of which he misses. And he's just that prominent. Everybody who attends to classical music and opera and ballet on the Russian repertoire thinks of Gergiev. And so naturally, given his jet setting, given his prominence, given his general panache, the fact that he's very accessible to the media, that he's a flamboyant, provocative guy, uh, stands to reason that he, as a kind of emblem of Russia today, Uh, that he would, by definition, be singled out for critique, as well as people would demand that he would serve as a kind of cultural representative abroad for the Russian Federation.
0: How would you rate Gergiev's handling of the gay rights protests?
1: Well, I think that he doesn't want to get involved with politics outside of Russia. He's happy to get involved with politics inside of Russia if he's supporting Putin's line on this matter, if he himself is a very conservative Defender of quote-unquote traditional relationships, which he may well be. I could see why he would want to stay out of it. Now, Russian society as a whole is quite conservative, and the one thing that I do think is the more we protest here in the West against that particular Russian law, which was enacted because it was a populist measure, not because of real discrimination against homosexuals. I mean, homosexuality has always been in a tacit way banned, but this public announcement of this banning of open relationships was a kind of populist measure the more and more we protest against Russian law, this particular we law, in the West, we in the West, um, I think the more that they will double down on it and the more people on the streets there, except, of course, homosexuals, will in fact find a reason to celebrate it and support Putin's decision on this particular point. Which curiously brings us to the Sochi games because it's clear that there's going to be the big celebrities in music representative that. Gergiev at the top, Anna Netrebka, Bashmet the great violist, as well as a uh, competition organizer. It's also clear that there will be a few surprises. Now, of course, because it's an opening ceremony, everything's under wraps. We know about the children, the thousand children, who may or may not sing the national anthem. But one of the things that's rumored, and if this happens, it'll be truly sensational and a real sort of stick in the eye to the West, is that there is this pop duo named Tattoo, basically a kind of girl band, two of them, who may be asked to perform because they actually tweeted that they'd been asked and then there was some sort of deletion of that tweet. If that's the case, what Putin and his organizers will have done is actually put into the opening ceremony of the Sochi Games a pop act, fairly trashy, widely discredited, kind of a Justin Bieber of Russia, but a pop act in which two girls pretend to be lesbians. That's part of their shtick. They pretend to be twins. They also pretend to be lesbians. They were notorious as well as popular with a younger set. And if that happens, that will be a really... I won't say ironic gesture, but it'll be really kind of a, you know, a sort of undercutting or a sort of subversion or as well as a kind of acknowledgement of this issue. And that Putin, in a strange way, may well turn his own games into a kind of LGBT uh, celebration.
0: This past weekend, Gergiev finally did speak out a little more forcefully. He did an interview with CNN and said, as part of that interview said, I myself questioned very much why the country needed something like this law.
1: Probably because it stirred the pot over something that was widely understood. And um, I think that basically this law was supported. And I think that the law is more or less kind of window dressing on something that was already in practice.
0: How have the protests against Gergiev in New York and London and other places been covered in the Russian news media? Not at
1: all. Um, In fact, I would say that Mr. Gergiev is not um, as prominent in Russia as he is outside of Russia. Um, There's been some remarks about the fact that at the Metropolitan Opera, there were some protests when he was staging and conducting the Tchaikovsky piece, but it was pretty low level. Music elites in Russia don't tend to think of Gergiev as the greatest conductor produced by Russia in this generation. Uh, Yurovsky, for example, is considered to be a greater talent than he is. So the coverage was muted officially, and the official channels, um, it was completely ignored, as it would be, because the media is more or less state-controlled or oligarch-controlled. Um, Echo Moskvi, that uh, radio station, Echo of Moscow, it was mentioned. A lot of websites mentioned it, but it was not something that would have risen and come into public consciousness. I mean, so it's, a very, yeah, it's a very person
0: on the street, didn't yeah. know,
1: doesn't care. Well, Russia is a big country and it has its internal <laughs> politics, so it's not necessarily fixated on what happened here in New York.
0: There have been rumors that Gergiev will be carrying the Russian flag at the opening ceremonies along with a cosmonaut and a gymnast, but you said he is not that big. A celebrity in Russia. Is this, once again, the Putin connection?
1: No, he's a huge celebrity. He's just not considered among the elites to be the greatest conductor. Certainly, he's a very prominent uh, individual. He supported the intervention in Georgia, even though he's somebody from the Caucasus region himself. Um, he's close to the regime. So naturally, he would be an inviter. If you're going to invite a conductor from Russia to be part of this, it has to be Gergiev. He is the head of the Marinsky, He is the 21st century equivalent of what was, in the 19th century, the intendant or chief administrator of the imperial theaters. He controls everything, certainly, in St. Petersburg and may well soon control the Bolshoi as well if things keep going the way they've been going. So uh, it stands to reason that that he would be asked to be part of that. I've heard that Mr. Putin's uh, current partner, um, she may well be involved in this. I've heard even that the recently um, acid-attacked... Artistic director of the Bolshoi Theater may well be a part of it, so um, I'm sure we will see um, the elite cultural representatives. They might be discredited to some degree within like academic circles or amongst people who
0: consider themselves to be with elite tastes, but certainly politically, these are very well connected people. Another part of the opening ceremony is probably this thousand voice children's choir that Gergiev has been sort of making the rounds of Russia with a choir of kids from all over the country? Is this yet more propaganda or inclusionary? Or
1: My sense from reports about that and also from a few screenshots I've seen of the rehearsals uh, for the games is that this choir, I don't know what they will sing. Um, I know that they won't be singing Prokofiev since um, they haven't asked for rights for that music or Sostakovich, but I think that they'll sing some big uh, hymn. I don't think it'll be a nationalist hymn like Slava from Life for the Tsar, since that's a, a hymn that deals with Russia suppressing Poland, and that wouldn't be very international and you know cosmopolitan in a good sense. But and I there's think, a Polish team. Yeah, but I th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what I will say is that this uh, there there is this kind of friendship of the peoples reincarnated. This old Soviet mantra that may be part of this games. I know that there is going to be a visual representation of the various peoples of Russia. And this children being the, still the one privileged class within Russia that's not an oligarch, um, that they will be part of it as well. So one of the interesting things that will happen is you will see, um, I think, as part of this opening ceremony, a strong attempt to represent Russia as a place of great diversity and great acceptance of diversity. And if you throw in this pseudo-lesbian girl band act on top of it, you will see um, a real repost to all of the uh, claims of repression that take place you know, in Russia from our perspective
0: what kinds of repertoire, other than the girl band and the children's choir, do you think we might find in the... Uh,
1: um, it's a really great question. Um, I've been thinking about this. If the Soviet Olympics, th- that botched uh, kind of fiasco of 1980, is any um, cue, we're probably likely going to hear some Tchaikovsky ballet music. Um, I remember the closing ceremonies. Not, I didn't remember, but I remember seeing this on YouTube. The closing ceremonies were the apotheosis of the nutcracker, was performed as the bear Misha floats off into the sky and everybody cried because at that moment they knew the games were over and the Soviet Union would revert back to being what it had been before the games, which was a weapons factory. I've seen an image that suggests there's going to be a giant ice bear that comes out. So I could see uh, something from Ripsky-Korsakov perhaps there, or again, Tchaikovsky. You can probably bet on something from Swan Lake. Um, as i said i don't it doesn't seem like prokofiev would be used but if it is it'd probably be something from you know the dance of the knights from romeo and juliet big choral music i think that if there is choral music sung that's not simply the national anthems and hymns it might be something that actually reaches back to say maybe bjornjanovsky or the catherine the great era since in many respects this current um regime um would like to see itself represents itself and i think the public would like to see it we're very, very much as a sort of a more benign imperialism, a more loving imperialism, uh, such as stereotypically is associated with that era. If Putin is nothing if not um, a character associated with nostalgic imperialism. And so I think that the opening ceremonies will be a reinforcement of that. Plus, plus, 1,000 children. Um, that suggests that they really want a rival with Beijing.
0: Any Russian ballet?
1: Um, I'm going for—my uh, money is on Swan Lake. Hmm. Um, not with night. dancers? I know that there is going to be a Russian ballerina a part of the games. So that suggests a solo, uh, which suggests probably a solo as part of some sort of big masquerade-type thing, um, again, hearkening back to the old court spectacles of the past. It doesn't seem like the Bolshoi ballet or the Mirinsky ballet are going to turn up at this point, but who knows. Um, what she, she will dance, I don't know. Maybe something from Swan Lake.
0: The opening ceremony to the Sochi Olympics will be televised on NBC starting at 7.30 Eastern time on Friday evening. Simon Morrison, thank you very much for your insights on this. You're very welcome. We've been speaking with Simon Morrison, a professor of music history at Princeton University who specializes in Russian music and dance. He is currently writing a book on the history of the Bolshoi Ballet. Brian Wise is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.